It's Thursday, December 19th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. It turns out impeaching President Trump wasn't the only thing happening yesterday because a federal court also struck down a key part of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. Then it's a Democratic debate night. Only this time, we're hearing concerns that the candidates on stage don't reflect the diversity of the party. And finally, we've got a story about the odd corner of the web where Wakanda and U.S. trade policy come together. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Showtime and the L word Generation Q. The most complicated story of the day is about the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. the ACA or Obamacare. While all of the impeachment drama was going down yesterday, a federal appeals court officially struck down part of President Obama's signature health care law. You might not have heard much about this, but the decision has kind of thrown the law's future into question. So today we're going to get into what's going on with the ACA, what yesterday's ruling means, and what's next for the health care law. Let's get into it starting with a little ACA history lesson. Back when President Obama was just candidate Obama in 2008, he went all in on changing up the healthcare system. Here he was at a debate a month before he was elected. If you don't have health insurance, you're going to be able to buy the same kind of insurance that Senator McCain and I enjoy as federal employees. Because there's a huge pool, we can drop the costs, and nobody will be excluded for pre-existing conditions, which is a huge problem. After a big battle in Congress, the Affordable Care Act was signed in 2010. It included something called an individual mandate. That meant that you had to buy health insurance, otherwise you would have to pay a tax. Why did Obama want everyone to buy health insurance? Well, for a lot of reasons. But one big reason was because if only sick people pay for health insurance, then it's gonna be super expensive. The system needs healthy people to balance it all out. The healthcare law was a really partisan issue though. Republicans didn't think that people should be forced to buy into the system. So the ACA got challenged in the courts and made it all the way to the Supreme Court in 2012. Even though it was controversial, the individual mandate actually saved the law. Because the Supreme said it's up to Congress to decide how to tax people. So it's okay to use a tax to motivate people to get coverage. But then in 2017, President Trump took office and Republicans went to work on the tax code. This might seem unrelated, but stick with us. The Republican tax bill made a lot of changes, like letting big companies pay less taxes. But one other change in the new tax code was that the tax for not buying health insurance would be $0. So not much of a penalty or a mandate. And since that individual mandate was the big reason the Supreme Court gave the ACA a thumbs up, more than a dozen Republican-led states decided to bring the law back to the courts. Their suit said now that the tax penalty was gone, the ACA should be gone too. A district court judge in Texas sided with those Republican-led states and said, yeah, you can't build a law around a $0 tax, so the whole ACA is invalid. So that brings us back to the big news this week. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans got to weigh in, and they weren't quite on the same page as the Texas judge. They agreed that the $0 tax, that individual mandate, was not okay anymore. That's the big headline you're seeing today. Court declares Obamacare individual mandate unconstitutional. But they also thought that the ACA could still survive without the individual mandate. The judges said that Congress could have repealed the whole thing, but they only got rid of the individual mandate. 
So a decision to strike down the rest of the law shouldn't be made lightly by, quote, unelected, life-tenured judges. Talk about checking your privilege. So what's next for the law? The long-term future of the ACA is still kind of up in the air. The appeals court decided to send the case back to the Texas District Court judge. So it's pretty much right back where it started. And now he's going to have to think again about how much of the law can actually survive without the individual mandate. That means the future of the ACA's protections for people with pre-existing conditions, its discounts to help people afford insurance, its guarantee that young people can stay on their parents' insurance until they turn 26, and more, the future of all these parts of the ACA is back in the hands of a guy who already tried to strike down the law. But the timing of this week's decision is important because the ruling came hours after the deadline to sign up for ACA healthcare coverage in 2020. So to be clear, for now, the law is still a thing. And if you've already chosen the ACA for your healthcare plan, you're probably fine for the next year. So what's the skim? The Affordable Care Act has been really contentious since even before it was a law. But since it's gone into effect, millions of people who didn't have health insurance before now have it, which makes any legal or political decisions about its future a big deal. Yesterday's ruling effectively confirms a decision by lawmakers a few years ago that the individual mandate isn't a thing anymore. And even though they decided to send the case back to a lower court, it could end up going all the way up to the Supreme Court for a final verdict. That could probably take a while, so stay tuned. Presidential candidates will for sure be talking about health care during the primary debate tonight. We'll get into that next. Looking for new shows to binge? Enter Showtime. The L Word Generation Q is now streaming. It's about a queer group of friends who experience it all together. Success, setbacks, sex, and drama. Or check out Work in Progress, a new comedy about being out but not down in Chicago. This story is about navigating the highs and lows of being middle-aged and how you change when you find love. Don't miss Work in Progress and The L Word Generation Q, only on Showtime. Tonight is the sixth Democratic debate ahead of the 2020 election. At one point, the field of candidates was the most diverse in history. But looking at the debate stage, you might be thinking, what happened? The seven candidates taking the stage tonight are former Vice President Joe Biden, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, billionaire Tom Steyer, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, and entrepreneur Andrew Yang. There are still 15 Democrats running for president, but the reason we're only seeing these candidates is because the Democratic Party set rules for how to qualify for this debate, and those seven candidates were the only ones to meet them. But the lack of diversity on the debate stage is nevertheless stirring up some controversy, especially after California Senator Kamala Harris, the only black woman in the race, dropped out earlier this month. Critics are pointing their fingers at the Democratic Party and saying, there should have been some way to make it so the 2020 candidates on stage reflect the diversity of Democratic voters. And some of those critics include candidates who won't be on stage tonight, like New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, who was on MSNBC earlier this month. The way this is shaping up, especially with the rules of the DNC, uh, it is preferencing millionaires and billionaires. To be fair, it's not like anyone with a billion dollars can debate. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg won't be on stage tonight. He's not taking donations, and you needed at least 200,000 unique donors just to qualify. 
Another excluded candidate says starting the primaries in Iowa, a state that's over 90% white, might skew the kind of candidates capable of catching fire in the campaign. We should note that President Obama did win Iowa's 2008 caucus. Here's former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro, who also won't be on stage tonight in a campaign ad he tweeted out today. It's time for a state other than Iowa to go first so that our nominating process actually reflects the diversity of our country or of our party. Complaints about a lack of voter diversity in Iowa, or in the second state to vote, New Hampshire, aren't new. Though strategists have said that the lack of diversity in this race might just be about voter preferences, pointing to the fact that both Biden and Sanders are still polling high with non-white voters. Either way, any possible changes to the voting process will have to wait. The primary calendar for 2020 is locked in, and so is the lineup for tonight's debate. But that doesn't mean the Democratic Party won't keep taking heat. With the field of 28 candidates throughout the primary so far, it's hard to keep everyone happy. Tonight's debate kicks off in Los Angeles at 8 p.m. Eastern and will be hosted by PBS and Politico. You can also watch it on CNN. For more on everything you need to know about the road to 2020, head on over to theskim.com slash 2020. It's Skim Money Thursday, and this week we're looking at a new report on how much America's largest companies pay in taxes. The report found 91 Fortune 500 companies paid zero federal taxes in 2018. Wait, what? Let's back up. President Trump made some major reforms with his 2017 tax bill. A central part of that tax bill was cutting corporate taxes from 35% to 21%, the lowest it's been since 1939. The idea was, if U.S. tax rates were lower, U.S. companies would actually pay those taxes instead of moving their operations and money overseas. And that tax cuts would encourage companies to invest more and bump up wages and maybe U.S. tax revenue would actually go up. But it seems like the result is companies are just paying less in taxes, an average of just about 11% for the 379 companies included in the report. But major companies like Amazon, Delta, Netflix, and Starbucks didn't pay any taxes whatsoever and some even got refunds from the government. To be clear, this is legal. With a fancy accountant, loopholes in the tax bill make it possible for companies to keep their taxes real low. Credits and deductions help too. And while it might seem savvy for companies to do this, it could be costly for you. The US only pulled in about $200 billion in corporate taxes last year, compared to $300 billion the year before the Trump tax bill. That's $100 billion less for government programs, which can mean cuts to programs like Social Security or more pressure to raise individual tax rates to close the budget gap. Yikes. For more on what growing federal debt means for your wallet, check out theskim.com money. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Wakanda. That's the fictional African nation from Marvel's Black Panther film. It's a land known for many things, from deposits of the mythical metal vibranium to its iconic warrior falls. And until yesterday, Wakanda was apparently a U.S. agricultural trading partner. It turns out someone working on the website for the U.S. Department of Agriculture had been running some coding trials. 
And that person apparently added Wakanda to a database of countries the U.S. trades with tariff-free. That error has now been corrected, and the government says Wakanda should never have been on that published list. Allegedly. Wakanda's hidden from the world by a force field. So maybe the U.S. just wants to keep its imports of Wakandan food on the DL. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us online. If you want to add The Skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.